0: Hey, Merry Christmas, everyone. I have been working through uh, a passage of scripture all about the magi or the wise men that, that bring their gifts to the baby Jesus. And uh, it was long into the study that all of a sudden I heard the song, We Three Kings, on the radio. It was actually Dolly Parton singing We Three Kings. But anyway, I was actually, you know, really like tuning in, listening to the lyrics. I realized just, man, this is really biblical. This isn't just a a holiday song, a holiday tradition. This thing is really bringing out some beautiful truths. And so, I asked Lauren if she would uh, lead us in singing at least the first verse of "We Three Kings." We're gonna we're gonna do the whole thing later on. But join Lauren as she leads us in worship as as we sing "We Three Kings." Thank you. Thank you. All right, let's do this. We're going to actually contemplate this song. So here's here's the deal. Um, it was actually a pastor 150-plus years ago that was considering all the, the circumstances around the coming of the Messiah, around Jesus. and he wrote that song based on his study of the Scripture that we're about to look at. But here's the thing. Before we read it, there's some intriguing things I want to point out uh, to even help you be looking for as we're reading through the scripture, maybe some things that you thought were in there but actually aren't, okay? So a couple intriguing, maybe this is a little bit of uh, just Bible trivia or whatever. Um, we actually don't know how many kings or wise men attended that that birth that night with, with Jesus. Now, we, we talk about three, we three kings, because the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, there's these three gifts that are talked about. But honestly, just... By looking at the extravagance of those gifts and the way the whole countryside is all stirred up, there was probably a big caravan of men and women and these, these magi, wise men, whatever, all coming. So it was probably a really big crowd, but we focused on these three kings. Not so much because there were just three, but that's, that's the gifts they bring. So that's, that's kind of intriguing. But honestly, we don't even know exactly what they were. Likely not kings, But whatever they were, you know, the the Bible calls them magi, which which has the idea of people that could kind of uh, almost be like in a prophet way, read the signs, figure out what's going on, and kind of lead people toward that next step. So these magi, these kings, were obviously of such, like, prominence, though, that they could get the whole countryside stirred up. Like, we're going to read here in just a moment that everybody's talking about these guys. So it wasn't just this big entourage. They must have been just so dripping kind of in royalty or splendor that some started calling them kings, magi, whatever they were. You guys, I started thinking about this. Like, here in Iowa, we also aren't that used to big, prominent, like, kings entering in. And it got me to thinking about a time years and years ago. Only the oldest people in the room are going to remember this. Do you guys remember when the pope came to Iowa? Okay, I'm seeing some nods, usually gray-haired people nodding along. So 1979, the Pope came, and do you know why the Pope came to Iowa? Because one farmer from Truro, Iowa, invited him to. True story. Found out that the Pope was going to be coming to the United States, he was going to go to the UN, he was going to meet with the President, and a farmer from a little town, 500 people in Truro, Iowa, writes him a letter, and he's like, sure, I'll come to Iowa, right? To this day, you guys, set records. To this day, the largest gathering of Iowans in the history of Iowa happened when the Pope came to Living History Farms in Des Moines and met this farmer from Truro and all that stuff. But I thought that was kind of cool because a little town of about 500 people, about the same size town as Bethlehem. And guys, here's the thing. Iowans don't receive kings or popes. And places like Bethlehem don't receive magi, okay? This was a big deal. This was something miraculous going on here. Um, And again, one thing we don't know is exactly where they came from. It says they came from the east. Um, You know, the songwriter talks about the Orient, probably not quite that far east, but somewhere out east. And you know, a lot of Bible scholars wonder, could they have come from Babylon, Because you guys, about 500 years before the time of Jesus, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they had all been taken to Babylon, and they made such a huge impression, spoke about the one true God so much, you just wonder if the legacy of faith was still stirring around in Babylon to where these guys actually were seeking the one true God, and God drew even these Babylonians all the way over to to the birds. So I'm just saying, I'm just trying to say, guys, there's so much miracle going on here. This, this whole story is just dripping with God's miraculous power. So why? Why did God do such a thing as to make this miraculous star that would lead these guys from so far away to come and bring these gifts? And the bigger question, what are we supposed to learn from it? So that's, that's, our, that's our task. In just a few minutes that we have together, I just want to read the, the story, and then we're going to talk about especially these gifts that were brought. Okay, so... Matthew chapter 2 is where I find it. it. says this. By the way, I look kind of crazy because I've lost my glasses, and so I'm using my wife's, and so everybody just chuckle get it out of your system. Anyway, so after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests, all the scribes, the people, and asked them where the Christ would be born. Oh, in Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, report back to me so that I can go and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was. The star they had, been, they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. Wow. So much of this story maybe even seems familiar because of Christmas, but there's so much in here we couldn't possibly touch on, so much intrigue, like this story of this crazed king, King Herod, that is just fomenting with with rage, and they call him greatly disturbed, like another rival in his presence, and you know, by the time you get to the end of the chapter, he, he's actually so fomenting with just a disturbed rage that he calls for all the baby boys to be killed, a massacre all around Bethlehem, just this wild, just overreach of a, of a crazed leader, king. You start seeing all these Old Testament promises. This, this, this one prophecy here from Micah is just one of just many that just start unfolding like one after another, like waves on the sea, just all these Old Testament promises coming true. And then you've got dreams and you've got a moving star and all this kind of stuff, all for a, a baby born in Truro, Iowa, right? All for a baby born in some obscure little town uh, that even people from Israel had never been there, right? Like, how many of you have been to Truro, right? Anybody here been? For okay, there's like three. That's what I'm saying, right? Like, this is crazy for all, all this around a baby that was born in Bethlehem, and then these gifts. So for all that other stuff that's going on, all deserves our attention, crazy stuff. But I just want to talk about these gifts and why we should take a closer look. Okay, so there's gold, frankincense, and myrrh Let's just talk about these as we head in to worship him, gold. Why gold? Of all the things that these magi, these, these kings, these wise men would bring from the east, why gold? Well, from the earliest pages of the Bible, you guys, um, gold was a precious commodity, as it is today. But even from ancient times, and often if you were going to meet someone of great prominence, someone of much higher status than you, you would bring a gift. And if they were of the highest of status, especially if you were going to go before a king, you would bring gold, maybe one of the most precious things that you could possibly, possibly bring. So I was thinking about this whole kind of crazy tradition that crosses all sorts of cultures of, of bowing before a king just because of the king. And I actually had this experience just a couple months ago, okay? So uh, many of you who are part of our church family know I frequent the, the country of Zambia quite a bit, and we're trying to get a, a clinic out in the rural areas. Well, there is a chieftainess, the chieftainess of Serenje, this royalty that kind of owns all the land all, all around there. And if I was going to get permission to put this clinic up there, I couldn't just walk into her land. I actually had to go to her place, like her mini little palace, and I had to actually take a knee. I want you to see this uh, picture. Um, so this actually happened. This is like weeks ago, you guys. This, this, And this isn't made up. Like this is the chieftainess, and she's got her crown, and she's on a throne. And in fact, my friend Joe is is so far below. He's on the floor. He has me take him. And you can see I didn't bring gold, but I did bring a stack of kwacha, a stack of bills. In fact, um, my African friend said, oh, don't take American currency Take Quacha, because it will look like a lot more, and you really want to impress her with how big of a stack you put at her feet. And I'm like, wow, all right, this will be a new thing for this American dude. So anyway, um, but here's why. She alone could give me access. She was so higher ranking, like literally, this this woman here with the furry crown on her head, she could stop the whole operation, or... She could give permission for transport, for us to get the things in there. She could really help us benefit these dear people out in the village of Kabanza. And so, you know what? She's of higher rank. And in their culture, she's the chieftainess. Absolutely, I'll take a knee. Absolutely, I'll put some gold, quacha, in front of her, right? So here's the deal. They bring gold. And when King Herod hears about all this, not just his conversation with them, but how this unfolds, he is raging. Why? Guys, they didn't give him one little nugget of gold, right? He's the one with king in front of his name, but they kind of bypassed him. They they just stopped by to ask directions, right? They actually He is a bit player in this whole thing. He's calling himself king. He's got his own palace. He's been doing all this stuff, throwing money around, throwing power around. And yet, you know what? These guys come to him and they're like, hey, can you give us directions? As if he works at the quick trip or something, right? Like he's a nothing. He's a bit player in all this thing. He's just saying, show me where the real king is, and here's this baby. So, so the next verse, we'll sing this in just a little bit. The next verse of the song says, born a king on Bethlehem's plain, Gold I bring to crown him again, king forever, ceasing never, over us all to reign. So guys, when we sing this song in just a little bit, um, I want us to let these wise men lead us to do that. So here's what I'm saying. When we sing this verse, it is as if we are following their lead and falling on our knees and submitting ourselves to King Jesus. He is the king of all kings. He's not some bit player King Herod. This is the king of kings, and they have traveled all the way from the east to put gold in front of him to say, you are truly the king. Okay? So, gold. The next guy comes up and gives frankincense. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Frankincense. So let's talk about this one just for a moment. Frankincense is this incredibly costly, aromatic incense, and its purpose was to worship God. So back into the earliest pages of our Bible, what we see is frankincense being crushed up and often added with grains and then it would be kind of put a fire or with some coals underneath it. Like if you ever walked into a house where they're baking bread, the smell of that, right? Or even toast right? Even somebody put some toast in, you know, and you wake up and you're like, oh man, this smells so good. So just think about now you've got grains roasting over coal, and now you put this frankincense in it. It's, it's just to fill the whole temple or whatever room you're in with this incredible aroma. And often it was used to symbolically lift our prayers to God. It's, it's as if you're saying, oh God, we want you to smell this aroma and, and give your full attention. Look what we're doing. We're singing our praises to you. We're offering our prayers to you and we're filling this place with an aroma. So you know, like if you ever smell that bread, oh man, it's like it draws you in like a magnet, right? Like God, we're calling you in because we're gonna worship you as God. So here's what I'm saying, guys. These wise men knew that they were not just bowing before a king. That was true. There's the gold. They were in this moment recognizing that they were bowing before God himself. Like, just before this happens in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, here's what Joseph is told about this coming child. It says, Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. You guys, it's, it's just, I don't know, almost easy for us to go through the Christmas holiday, maybe even go to a Christmas Eve service and, and sing those familiar songs without really thinking them through. And tonight, when we sing this song, I want us to really be focused on what's going on here because here's, here's the next verse. The next verse says this, Frankincense to offer have I. Incense owns a deity nigh deity, right here, right in front of it, Emmanuel, God with us. Prayer and praising, all men raising, worship him, God most high. So the wise men are calling us, and now this Christmas carol calling us to this place where we take a knee, this is our king, I I bow before him as my king, and I bow before him as God most high, and we, we worship him. Okay, last of the gifts, myrrh. The gold, that's understandable, right? The frankincense, even that starts making sense, especially when you see um, how, how it was used throughout the Old Testament. Myrrh, you guys, this is the oddest one of all. This one is not really fitting. This is one that had to make any of the onlookers, all those that were stirring around, like, what is going on, and what are they giving him, and they're trying to peek in and see what's going on, and when myrrh is laid before the baby... This had to mystify all those people, laying myrrh at the feet of this infant child on the lap of his mother. Because all through the Old Testament, myrrh is used as an exquisite gift for sure, but specifically for people that are dead. And in fact, we're not going to see myrrh again from the time we see it here at his birth until the very end. And we see it twice. Once is when he's hanging on the cross, and they concoct this little liquid, some wine, and they pour myrrh into it to offer him at the cross. Right at the point of death, myrrh shows up again. At the very moment of his death, myrrh is right there, kind of, as it rises up to him, the myrrh is kind of, you know, he's smelling the myrrh. And after his death is the only other time we're going to see it, after his death, when uh, his his friends come to take the body away. When they go to wrap him up in the death shroud, they sprinkle myrrh all the way through for his death. What I'm saying is, this king is pointing us to something really, really important. He's pointing us to the death of Jesus. Guys, isn't that odd? To bring myrrh, something that you would only find at funerals? You guys, here's the deal. Like, we do this with flowers, right? Um... At Christmas time, you don't take people Easter lilies, right? Like my gift for my neighbor, my neighbor comes over, gives me a flower. What do you think that flower was? It's a poinsettia, right? That's what people give each other at Christmas, poinsettias. You don't take Easter lilies, like, nor would I at Easter time take my neighbor a poinsettia, right? You're like, no, whoa, whoa, that doesn't... Wrong holiday. You got that wrong. You know, that would be so abrupt and so odd. Like, we know what we give at certain times. What I'm saying is, people would know when to give certain gifts. Myrrh isn't given to newborn babies. (laughs) That's weird. That doesn't make sense. Unless he's trying to tell us something through the ages that this child was actually to grow up to be the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the whole world. That from infancy, there would already be, you guys, the aroma of death. That was his destiny. And so when we get to this verse in the song, you guys, it's, it's pretty startling because here, here's the, the next verse. Myrrh is mine. Its bitter perfume breathes a life of gathering gloom, sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, Dying, sealed in the stone cold tomb. Now, those don't sound like the kind of words that we should be singing at Christmas time, right? But what I'm saying is that wise man is taking us to that place where we realize, oh man, when I take a knee and I begin to worship, I fall to my knees because Jesus, you are king. And by taking a knee, I'm saying, Jesus, you call the shots, you are king of kings, you are lord of lords. When I take a knee, when I sing that song, and I bring my my gold to you, I'm saying, you are king. Lead me, guide me, teach me, I obey, you're the king. And we also say, and you are God, this miracle is is completely mind-numbing. Emmanuel, God with us? But then I take my frankincense, and I offer it before, I'm like... God of the universe, you have come to us in human form in infancy as a child. And then I follow him. It's, it's like even from the manger, I look through the quarter of time, and I see what it's pointing toward, and you will die for me. Gold offered to our king, frankincense offered to our God, and myrrh offered to our sacrifice, the lamb of God that would take away my sin, your sin, and the sins of the whole world. And here's the beautiful last verse that we're going to sing together. Glorious now, behold him arise. Because this song even points us past the death to that resurrection, right? And we come back with with joy in our hearts. Glorious now, behold him arise. King and God and sacrifice. There it is. The gold, the frankincense, the myrrh, right? King, God, and sacrifice. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Heaven to earth replies. So that's what we're going to do this afternoon, we're going to stand and we're going to join the wise men. I think enough ink is spilled in Matthew chapter 2 to lead us and guide us to understand exactly who is born to us in the manger. So will you stand with me? Um, now, I do, I do want to say we are going to sing that song, but you've all got these candles, right, as you came in. Um, not right off, not, not right off as we sing this first song, but then after that, we're going to actually fill this place with kind of the glorious light also of the coming of Jesus. Um, so just just wait until uh, the next song after, and, and they're going to come, and, and the ushers are going to start the ones on the end of the aisles and pass them through. This will be beautiful to fill this place with with uh, our songs and also just the light. The light is ta- going to take the darkness and, and bring the light in. So here's the way you'll do that. Uh, you, you'll just hold, if you're the one without the lit candle, you'll, you'll just uh, you know hold it, and then they'll they'll light it, and then... Um, when, when it goes to the next person, the next person, let the one that the candle isn't lit do the tipping. So it doesn't like, you know, wax all over you and everybody else. And then, uh, but let's, let's just kind of fall in love again with this Jesus who has come to us. Yes. A baby certainly held on his mother's lap, but man, we know so much more. Our King, our God, our sacrifice. Will you pray with me before we sing? Because Jesus, on that night, it would have just been, man, we, we would have all been awestruck to see this whole thing play out. These kings that caused the whole countryside to stir and there they are coming to this simple manger scene and taking a knee and offering such exquisite, extravagant gifts. Lord, what's even more amazing to us is that you invite us into that scene for us to bring you worship, for us to be able to take a knee before you, to recognize who you truly are. And so, Lord, in this moment, I pray, Jesus, awaken us to the miracle that is going on here. Awaken us to the wonder and the awe of the nativity. Awaken us, Lord, to who you are. And as we sing to you, Lord, and as we fill this place with light, let there be a stirring of affection toward you. Let it be as if frankincense and myrrh all kind of stir together in this place, and you are pleased as we gather and worship you, Lord. Hear us as we sing and worship and honor you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray.